Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to this week's interview with High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. Today, we speak to Andrew D'Angelo, who is a cannabis activist, uh, a cannabis consultant. He is a co-founder of The Last Prisoner Project and also the brother of Steve D'Angelo, who we've had on the show many times before. Uh, super cool interview. This is a real cool guy, obviously, Steve D'Angelo's brother, both cool guys. And we talk about the work that he does with The Last Prisoner Project and just go up on random tangents as we do. It's a real cool conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And if you want to know anything else about Andrew or Steve, then head over to thelastprisonerproject.org and you'll be able to find out everything you need over there. So it would be good if you go and check out their website. You'll find out more about their website in this interview. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll speak to you at the end of this. So enjoy, roll something nice, and I'll see you at the end. See you in a bit. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining us, man. We must really appreciate it. So... Uh, we should quickly introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to. I am Mackie from the UK. I'm the guy with the mushroom avatar there. And then we have Monkey. You right. want to say hi, Monkey? Hey, Andrew. It's Monkey down here in the Southeast US. How's it going, guys? All right, Mackie Monkey. Yes. And you are Andrew D'Angelo, brother right, of Steve. <laughs> Younger brother of Steve. That's correct. Cool. cool. I was wondering which one was older, if it was going to be you or Steve. So you've known Steve for your whole life then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yes. Man. yes i have that's cool he's a cool guy man he's been on the show a couple of times steve has and we've always had a good conversation with him he's a cool guy well, no one does it better than my older brother yep <laughs> so you two have worked a lot on many projects i suppose yes many projects since since i was a teenager yes and now i'm <laughs> 50 so that's quite some time so it was a bad influence on you then <laughs> yeah yeah i mean um or the best of influences <laughs> depending on how you look at it <laughs> always the way that yes so what you do now is you help people start their own businesses in cannabis right uh yeah that's one of the things i do as a consultant that's mm -hmm. that's that's correct and all up and down the supply chain hemp cannabis um everything are you are you in california too i'm based in california most of my clients are across the united states and i'm starting to get a few international clients now too actually it's just in stockholm nice wow. yeah for their first medical cannabis uh conference and it went really well so Things, you know, Europe's got a totally different fucked upness. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um, um, than we do. I mean, but both, all the frameworks are really messed up everywhere. So, um, but I, it was fun to learn a, a lot about what's going on in Europe. Mm. So that's in Sweden, Stockholm is, right? Yeah, in Sweden, they have legal cannabis, but none of the doctors will prescribe it and none of the patients will ask for it. And everybody's right. And everyone's getting strung out on opioids. So Oof. we have a similar problem here in the UK. It's like it's legal for medical use, but the doctors won't prescribe it. And people, uh, who was it the other day? Um, Professor, well, what's his name? Because I've got fucking stoner memory. What was his yeah. name, Monkey? Uh, you know what? When you ask me that, I'm going to forget. <laughs> so I'm looking it up as we speak, installing while I'm getting after. Stalling. Stalling. Yeah, we spoke to a yeah, professor uh, from the UK. He said 60% of people still don't know that it's legal for medical use here. Mike Barnes. Mike Barnes. There we go. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. I'm sure it's higher in Sweden than that. Wow. Um, they have 10 million people in the country. They only have 3,000 patients. Wow. Three cool. or 4,000 patients. So, um, uh, but... The group that brought me over them, Arium Life, they're a patient advocacy group and they're signing people up, you know, pretty fast. But awesome. their their bottleneck is the doctors now. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a big project, man, to be able to change the medical profession to make them see how important cannabis is. It sure is. It sure mm -hmm. would be helpful if the medical schools got on board with the endocannabinoid <laughs> system. But mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a hard one right there. Trying to teach doctors something they told wasn't important or told wasn't important so long ago. All of a sudden it's critical. Right. Yes, it is a big change for 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 them. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. So we see that you're also a co-founder of the Last Prisoner Project. That's right. Yes. And um, I serve on the board of that organization right now. And um, yeah, yeah, we're we we we've grown rapidly and, you know, we're 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 always trying to remember to focus on our key mission, which is to um, free cannabis prisoners and support reentry. So. We do a lot of advocacy work too because it take when someone's convicted in the United States and they've exhausted all their appeals, the only way they can get out of prison is a clemency petition to a governor or the president of the United States. And, wow. and so and those petitions take literally hundreds, if not thousands, of legal hours. So we do the advocacy work to try to convince lawmakers to do retroactive release when they legalize cannabis or, or, or do sweeping expungement so that we can do hundreds and thousands of people at a time, not just one by one. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why we do the advocacy work um, as well as um, the, you know, the, the work of, of, of actually supporting constituents. That's crazy. So even, even like in a, let's say, California, when they've legalized cannabis, then there's people in prison who are only there because of a crime to do with cannabis. They aren't like instantly let out of prison. They, they you, you have to have a clemency. You have to have the governor of California, Arnie, or someone come along and be like, yo, you, you are free now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, essentially that's right because one, legalizing cannabis is a risky thing for especially elected officials when they do it or if it happens by ballot oftentimes the people writing the language of the ballot are either afraid to put retroactive release in there for fear that people will vote against it um, or Mm. or they just don't they're just not mindful enough to include it and for one reason or another they just forget um, or Mm. they're they're unaware or uneducated or, or, or what have you so We've not been able to get any retroactive release laws done yet. Um, we have been able to get mass expungement done. Uh, and there's a lot of wonderful nonprofits working on that besides us. And, and they do a great job with expungement. But um, uh, we, 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 we primary, primary focus is getting people out of prison. Yeah. Do you have any idea of how many people have been released because of the work you guys do? Well, I wish I could tell you it was thousands and thousands of people, um, uh, but you know, it's 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 definitely in the dozens of people that mm. and 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 you know, we never do anything alone. Um, we always have we have our donors, we have other attorneys that represent these clients, we have their families, we have other nonprofits that are also helping to free them. So it's it's a real community effort. Um, uh, there's groups like uh, K-Tree Cannabis and Freedom Grow and uh, the Weldon Project. All those folks um, are, are doing similar work, um, if not expungement, getting people out, if not getting people out, advocating. Uh, so um, we all work together and, and you know, between all those groups, we've probably freed, I'm sure over a hundred people, a couple hundred people um uh and you know we 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 were always hopeful that we can convince governors and presidents and legislative bodies to do a lot more than that Mm -hmm. we know we have tens of thousands of cannabis prisoners still in prison here in north america and the united states and and so um and really everywhere i mean this problem is everywhere last prisoner project is just dipping our toe into some international work we're doing a I think it's a feasibility study to see what kind of finance what kind of how much money it mm-hmm. would cost to 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 you know in certain places like Mexico and Latin America much of Latin America um and most of the people in prison for cannabis are women poor women wow um, yeah they're not even they're smoking you know, or something is that what it is 
Well, you know, it's just the guys somehow keep working while the women do the time for them. Um, uh, And uh, or or I don't even you know, it's it's very hard for me to know that all the details Mm -hmm. as an American. But 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 that's the fact of the matter is most of the and, and and so, you know, it's really tragic that you have, you know, poor women that have families and children that are locked up in terrible conditions for just having a husband or a boyfriend or maybe some land that was used for cannabis and people got caught. Um, um, you know, this is, so anyway, that's last prisoner project. And, you know, people can go to our website, lastprisonerproject.org, learn all about it. You can get involved. You can write a letter to a prisoner. You can make a small donation all, all right there. If you're a cannabis company, you can join one of our programs and, um, and, you know, we're, we're nothing without the community. Mm-hmm. The cannabis community is a good community as well. They all like to help each other out. And um, I'm sure many people will head to the Last Bristol Project. The, your website is lastbristolproject.com, right? The Last Dot Bristol org. Project. Yeah. Yeah. Dot Dot org. Org. Okay. Yeah. 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 You yeah, say yeah, you can write letters to prisoners there. Yes. Yeah. If you don't have if you don't have a lot of money right now and you still want, I mean, writing a letter to a prisoner and, and becoming a pen pal with a prisoner is a very rewarding thing to do with one's time. Hmm. And these days in some of the low security jails that some of these folks are locked up in, you can do it online. I mean, you can send them emails and stuff. So um, um, it's not, some of them you actually have to write a letter and put it in an envelope and write the address and not (laughs) use any stickers. And, you know, they have all these rules, but, we, 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 we have all that on the website, step-by-step guide. And, um, and, 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 and just when you're locked up and you get those letters, especially from a stranger, you know, a lot yeah. of people don't even get, a lot of people locked up, don't even get letters from their families. Wow. Um, so when they get letters from strangers, it, it can really give them a tiny little lift in, the, in their day. Because mm-hmm. some of them are in prison for a long time, you know, like decades, man. For simple, simple yeah. cannabis related crimes. Yeah, you know, if you, I, if someone that reached out to me who just got locked up for five years, he just got locked up for five years and he was a trader and he was a wholesaler. So he had, you know, I don't know, 200 pounds of weed or something. Wow. And, um, and, you know, that much weed, my former company, Harborside, sells in a day, you know, or maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe a week or two. Um, but, uh, uh, and, and, and none of those people are going to prison. So, mm-hmm. and it's the same, it's federal law that he, the feds are who got him. So, so there's some really unfair, terrible, unjust things happening and, uh, and they continue to happen despite president Biden's promise to release all cannabis prisoners. He's not done it. He's wow. at almost year two. He's at year, year. He's I didn't know he promised for that as well. I know he was saying he was going to uh, decriminalize federally. Hasn't done that either. No, uh, no, he hasn't. Not even close. Not even close. He can't. It, he fired members of his own staff, not uh-huh. because they failed the drug test, but because they admitted that they had cannabis in their life sometime in the last X amount of years, blah, blah, blah. That's and, a fact. Yep. I remember that. Are you, are you <laughs> trying to say that a politician lied? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the thing is, it in this case with Biden, Biden's very weak right now. He's got oh, yeah. very low approval ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like nothing's really working. I mean, when I was in Sweden, I was amazed at how well things worked there. Um, I didn't see any mass shootings happening. I didn't see homeless tents everywhere. I didn't see desperate, poor, sick people wandering the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very I, socialized country, isn't it? And a high tax rate, though, but that makes them happy. So, I, Yeah, and um, well, the, the Swedes I talked to, there, it was funny because I was talking to one of my hosts, and they have three kids that are college age or about to go to college. And I'm an American. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm coming from the American point of view where, you know, each kid costs $100,000 to send mm-hmm. uh, through college. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have three of them. It's, it's going to cost you a fortune. Uh, what are you going to do? And they're like, no, no, man, you're in Sweden. It's free. It's free. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, 
and I and I just dropped a load almost. <laughs> really, and I was just like, um, I was like, oh my goodness, that's right, I'm in Sweden. Yeah. Um, um, and and it was a and I was like, well, how do you how can you afford to do that? Well, we no military budget um, or Oof. very low, you know, very low military budget. That's mm -hmm. how we afford to do it. So um, it, it was a it was it was a real eye, eye opener. But not just that. It's just like I had to get this covid test before I got on the airplane and you can call somebody up. They drive to your airport. They open the trunk of the car. They squat squab you. Uh, uh, swab you right there in the street they put the thing in the trunk of the car 20 minutes later you got the test result with a qr code you upload it to the klm website and the next day you're on the plane and everything's groovy and it worked there was, it was i'm a technical you know fool i don't work <laughs> with technology well and i was able to do it without having to like call my girlfriend out and say can you help me with this <laughs> um uh you know and and it just worked you know mm -hmm. what i mean and and it was the expectation the expectation is everything works um and and so and the people were so kind and my hosts were so wonderful at arium life and um it just felt good to be mm -hmm. you know be in, in 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 we have so much to change here to get to that point you know um we have a lot of uh, but, you know, I'm optimistic that there's no place. The thing about America that's so wonderful is we're much more innovative. We're crazier. We take risks more. We're entrepreneurial. We like to, you know, um, and freedom, uh, man, freedom. And we're just, yeah. you know, and, and that spirit, you know, can create change faster sometimes, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, um, you can see it create bad change fast, too. <laughs> um, yeah. but oh yeah um, i know what you mean uh, about that <laughs> um uh so you know um but that that's why it's called a movement and a struggle and you know we're all part of it mm. it's crazy to see the difference uh in between america and some of these european countries especially up there you know sweden finland norway all very socialized countries now it's and crazy Denmark to see the difference I learned Denmark has a cool little medical cannabis scene going on. Yeah. They, many more patients. They actually permit cultivation and production there. So a lot of the awesome. companies are producing there. Um, and, um, you know, I hear Copenhagen is a wonderful place to visit. Mm -hmm. Did you visit Amsterdam while you was over here? No, man. Oh, but right. I, did, yeah, I, I did manage to visit the meditation room at Schiphol Airport, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, which was new to me. We don't have those in America. Um, uh, and it was super groovy. <laughs> Usually on flights like that, long flights coming from the States, they'd stop at the Schiphol for a while. And then you would move uh, over to Sweden. From yeah, there. I had a pretty long layover. And so the meditation room was welcomed. And uh you know you go in there and unplug and chill out and you know um, do some deep breathing it was nice nice man something different because traveling is a lot of stress these days the pandemic's still going on and um you know uh it's yeah it's it's definitely stressful and people are on edge a little bit aggro aggravated mm -hmm. um <laughs> um and so, you know, it's all we all have to be kind to each other right now as we're moving around out there in the world. For sure. Do you see much of Steve? Yeah, like are you uh, always well, both busy I mean, all the time? Both, we, we both travel so much that um we but when we do see each other, it's usually in spurts. Right. So um uh uh so um uh I think we're supposed to go to the Dead and Company shows Monday and Tuesday here in Northern California together. Okay. So that'll be fun. And my brother's birthday is Sunday. Uh so hopefully we'll have um some a nice meal together or something like that. Nice. And, um, you know, my brother and I were maniacs. We do this every day. We don't take days off. It's every, mm -hmm. all day, every day. <laughs> it's um, important projects, man. You got to be working hard to get these people out of prison. Every day is important for those. Yeah. Well, of course, when they're locked up and, you know, and of course, you know, my, my brother and I have to make a living. So we have to do mm -hmm. the consulting work and we have to do creative projects like podcasts and speaking and, 
you know, telling the story, it's so mm -hmm. important that we, that we keep telling the story and inspiring people to, to embrace cannabis everywhere. Yeah. You, the last time Steve was on, he was telling us about uh, a guy, I can't remember his name exactly. I did email him at one point to try and get him on as a guest, but he'd been locked up in for like 30 years for possession of cannabis. And now he's out of prison because of the work you guys do. Yeah. That's either Michael Thompson or Richard Delisi, maybe. There you go. Richard, Richard Delisi. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Delisi. I think locked up for 36 years, if I or 32. It was one of those. Um, just a, you know, just a ridiculously long yeah, time. It's, it's Again, madness. he was a, uh, he was a wholesaler, <laughs> so he he, you know, when you're a wholesaler, you sell by the pound, um, and and usually you sell by multiple pounds at a mm -hmm. time. And um, you know, I was a wholesaler, and my brother and I were wholesalers, so. I know that life well. And, you know, again, Richard just got caught and had some bad things go down in his case where, you know, some of his co-defendants, I think his brother, um, were, were able to get freed before he was by, <laughs> by, by, by many years, by many, many years. Um, uh, and, and that just goes to show, you know, the, the, justice system here is, yeah, it's shocking it's it's yeah. so bad man and you would have thought he would have got out but what state did he was he arrested in does that even florida. matter he, yeah florida, he, right. he, he, he was running loads in florida from i think uh columbia or something like that and right. um, um back in the day and uh yeah man the, they the, the, you know it was interesting the way he got busted um if i can recall correctly he was moving loads from Florida up to New York and then selling them in New York. And his brother, um, what, and they were super careful. They always used pay phones. They were super, super, they played it by the book. But one day his brother, I think, wrote somebody's name down on a scrap piece of paper in his office or wrote a phone number down on a scrap piece of paper in the office. And that was the thing the DEA needed to put the whole, you know, cannabis network wow. and ring together. Um, and, and it was just one of those, you know, he was probably distracted. The phone rang. He had to write something down and he just tore off like a corner of a newspaper, wrote the thing down and just, you know, forgot all about it or, you know, maybe threw it away or whatever. And then they got raided, you know, that day or whatever. Um, um and and um uh probably he probably was planning on destroying that little piece of paper but they raided him before he he, he could so um uh so that's how they and then of course what happens is the, the the police put so much pressure on people to roll on everybody or mm -hmm. inform on everybody we call it rolling on people mm -hmm. um 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 and and you know inevitably in every single case there's there's somebody that rolls on somebody else and 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 you know there's usually multiple people that are rolling on each other um uh to get to the you know sort of the top of the pyramid where richard was um um and his brother were so so you know um and, you know, a lot of times people don't withstand the pressure. And they, I, I know in my brother's case, one of our co-defendants, good friend of ours, so much pressure was put on him to roll that he committed suicide. Oh, damn. You know, just, and this was for, I don't know, 230 pounds of weed, you know, and, and no one should die for that. No, no, absolutely um, not. And so that, that, and that happens a lot. I mean, you read about that all the time in these cases. It happens a lot. Um, and, uh, and the government knows that the justice, everybody knows that. And they, they keep putting a squeeze on, uh, um, and, uh, it's, you know, we just, we, we, it, it we, it's something we just got to keep fighting for and changing. It's shocking that we're still having this fight in 2022. I know there's so many shocking things that are still yeah. going 2022. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're 19 states legalized for well legalized in some way right in, in the united oh, states 48 i think now i've legalized yeah, no. some form of medicals it might just be some stupid law but yeah yeah no, literally recreational yeah and like yeah like you said 18 or 19 adult use states yeah. i mean it's it's it's, it's, it's massive it's, 
it's massive it's 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 a huge percentage of the population lives you know in in a legal state of some kind so it's so what's going to happen is if the federal government doesn't do it on their own, which I don't think they're going to do, there was a lawsuit announced. I hope it goes through. Oh, that's the, right. Yeah. The, the big cannabis companies are going to sue them. Now, Harborside sued them. And, um, you know, at that time, which wasn't too long ago, the big cannabis companies didn't want to support our case because they they thought they could work behind the scenes and convince mm-hmm. the Fed. But they they've spent a lot of money and time working behind the scenes and they failed. So so now they're going to take a page from our playbook and, and start suing <laughs> the federal government. And, and, I'm, and, 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 and that's what you have to do, man. And yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. cost millions of dollars. Um, those guys have the money and you have to be an activist, even even if you're a corporate cannabis company right now, mm-hmm. if you want to sell more weed in Sweden you gotta let people know that it's legal there and that yeah. they and make them feel safe to talk to their doctors about it and make the doctors feel safe to write about it and make the pharmacists feel safe ordering it and filling the script mm-hmm. um so you know it's all right there it's just um you know that so I, I was really happy to see that lawsuit and 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 we need a lot more of that sort of aggressive action from the mainstream cannabis companies it's it's in their own survival best interest i think they're mm-hmm. starting to realize that none of them are or very few of them are profitable um yes. and if they could get rid of 280e which is a tax code that the feds have that's so ridiculous not even worth us spending time talking about it um but if that tax code could get thrown out our our entire industry both at the corporate level and the craft level would become profitable overnight uh and and so this is a really important lawsuit and there's you know a few other lawsuits they're going to file um to decrim and legalize uh cannabis um and get access to banking and things like that mm-hmm. so now is this uh is this lawsuit that the they're bringing against the government this is the one that's going to allow the companies to operate multi-state i think they're going to bring that uh, 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 uh they're probably going to bring a multi-state uh, because it's a constitutional argument. It's right. not so much that they want to transport a bunch of weed across state lines. They probably do want to do some of that. Uh-huh. I think I think we should do a lot of that, actually, because I want to see most cannabis, if not all cannabis, grown outdoors someday. But um, and you can't do that in certain a lot of states you know um Uh um, uh uh all year round anyway Uh um and you can't get the kind of yields you can get and quality you can get in places like california and oregon Uh um so so you know it's 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 um uh that that's that's kind of the vision that 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 i'd like to see happen and and so that's that's going to require a lot of activism on a lot of people's parts um, and um, and hopefully the the, the big companies are, are realizing now that if if we don't create good frameworks, not only are they going to be overtaxed and overregulated, but they're not going to be able to compete with the underground market, mm-hmm. and they're going to get crushed. They are getting crushed in the underground yep. market. And the underground market, most people in the underground market would rather be in the legal market, but they can't overcome the barriers to entry because the frameworks are so messed up. So. And the corporate guys want to keep them out, but they, but you can't keep them out and fix the framework at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, so we all have to embrace each other. We have to build bridges. We have to say, look, consumers deserve to have cheap products that are produced at a big scale by the corporate guys and gals, and also craft cannabis that's high quality, that's unique, that comes from unique territories or terroirs and, um, is got a great you know story behind it so mm-hmm. and we need all that um uh and if we can create an ecosystem that's diverse like that uh i will it will we, we we would have done our jobs well it's going to be incredibly hard to do that with the forces of capitalism always trying to do global domination and monopolies mm-hmm. but um um if anybody can fight against that and when it's the cannabis community. Mm. How long do you think it's going to take though? 
Oh, I don't know. When I was in Europe, I thought it would, I said five years, but all my European friends said, nah, it's going to be more like 10 hmm. um, before, yeah, full legalization in Europe. So, um, um, but it's not just full legalization. It's good legalization that allows, mm -hmm. that allows, you know, like a lot of, all this Moroccan hash that is smoked in Europe is a good example. Oh, yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of people trading in that hash in Europe. Um, that are Europeans and there's a lot of Moroccans growing and making that hash and you know smuggling over to Europe and mm -hmm. if you could just give all those people licenses and they could just keep doing it at relatively the same cost and the only thing they have to do maybe is pass a lab test to make sure there's nothing nasty in the hash mm -hmm. um, and then they could sell it in a shop um, they you know they could essentially come into the market um uh with a pretty low barrier to entry but you know if all the products have to be gmp certified and all this other stuff like they require in europe the cost of doing that is huge mm -hmm. um and it makes the cost of the weed huge so um that's the problem we're faced with and it's a really tricky thing to solve none of us have all the answers and, and that's why we have to work together yeah I mean, I think the this is the problem when cannabis seems to be getting legalized in the USA, in most places in the USA, is there's more regulations put on it when it's legalized than when it was illegal. And it just causes so many problems for people. Yes. Making sure companies can only grow this amount of plants in, in these conditions, that can only harvest this much, it's, it's ridiculous. We need safety for the consumer, obviously. We have to keep people safe, make sure there's no pesticides and molds in the buds. Yeah, so you can understand yeah. why them rules are in place, but they just yeah, kept yeah. this shit too far. Yeah, all you really need is a lab test, mm -hmm. um, um, because once it passes the lab test, you know it's okay. Um, and then all this other ridiculous stuff with all this, you know, the only thing we really should need to put in child-resistant packaging probably is edibles mm. um, and gummies and things like that but joints flour you know tinctures all this stuff kids are not appealing to children um tobacco doesn't have to do it alcohol doesn't have to do it um yeah and, that, that, yeah that's it alcohol doesn't have to do it alcohol doesn't have to be in childproof packaging and things like that why yeah, should cannabis be held it, to a different standard yeah it's just because they, they just have all this stigma uh, mm -hmm. around it and they think we're you know poison or something so mm -hmm. and 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 even poison doesn't have child resistant you're i was in a i was in i was working with a client in ohio and we went into this store called cabela's and it's kind mm -hmm. of a country hunting store and there was all this ammo that you can buy just off the shelf it wasn't <laughs> behind the counter and none of it was in it was just in a cardboard box didn't even have a piece of tape <laughs> nope. on, the, on the little thing that you that you open you know <laughs> and i was just like i was like you gotta be kidding me right um uh and and so <laughs> that's the kind of and it costs a lot of money you know that's it, mm -hmm. ammo if you had to put every bullet and piece of ammo in a child resistant packaging it would cost mm -hmm. a fortune it would just cost a fortune to do that um and uh, you know the 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 you wouldn't be able to do it um mm -hmm. um uh and so you know this is the sort of the absurdity that 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 we're moment that we're in right now with public policy yeah, but you can't, you know how it is in America. You can't mess with our guns. That's what everybody says. So, you know, don't talk about our ammo that way. But <laughs> I have to agree with you, though, that it, that is pretty absurd because, yeah, shotgun shells are literally stored in, in, on a display in the middle of the aisle so you can grab them quick as you walk to the front. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm not, I, I, I believe in gun rights, but, um, but, you know, it's, yeah. it, but, but I also believe in people being able to sell weed like, you know and get into the market and 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 if we if we could lower the regulation and the cost um uh then it it would it would really help and and your entrepreneurs would be smaller businesses and medium-sized businesses not just you know i don't know 10 large companies yeah um, um mm -hmm. nobody wants that i don't know anybody except the 10 large companies I don't know anybody who wants 10 large companies. No, we've um, seen it before in many other businesses. We don't want to do that again. 
Yeah, we have an opportunity not to do that again because we're starting mm -hmm. from scratch. Yep. So, it, it, but but we're trending in that direction, and it's kind of at least in the United States and Canada. And 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 I am pleased to report that the craft revolution has begun in Canada, and craft producers are starting to take market share away from. Nice. Uh, in in the United States, the big guys are still taking market share away from the little folks right now, but but. It, I, I expect that that trend to change. I, I, the craft cannabis revolution is picking up a lot of steam in, it, 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 in the United States. It's not really a revolution. It's more of a renaissance, or I don't know what you call it because it's been around forever, but um, it getting into licensed. It, a lot more of it's going to get licensed, and a lot more of it is going to get on the shelves because uh -huh. of the dispensaries. Uh, the, the people are going to demand it. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, this, 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 we, uh, cannabis produced on, uh, at a large scale generally has got, uh, is, is got mediocre or maybe above average quality, but you can't find what we call the fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, most um, weed that people would call the fire um, here in California is, is small batch weed. Mm -hmm. and so from craft growers man you, when there's too many plants you just can't take care of them in the same way you can look after a smaller farm and that's yeah, why yeah. The craft growers it, are better yeah you know same thing with your the tomatoes you grow in your backyard are probably better than the ones you buy in the grocery mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah and if i'm on holiday in a different state going into a dispensary i'm always looking for the craft stuff there that's different than where i come from because you know I'm on vacation. I want to try something different. I don't mind spending a little extra. It's for me. Yes, exactly. And, and that's what I tell my craft clients when I consult with them is, is don't be afraid to be a little bit more expensive, but, you know, really make it worth it. Um, oh, yeah. not, not just the weed itself, but like there's this great regenerative farm called farm cut up in Humboldt. And, um, they're, all their packaging is biodegradable. The ink that they use on their labels is soy ink. The label's made out of hemp paper. I mean, <laughs> they got it down to every little detail is, is, tells a story about regeneration and sun-grown cannabis and clean, you know, natural cannabis. And the cannabis is tremendously uh, tasty and, and, <laughs> and complex and... Um, the high is, it doesn't have one note, you know, it, it has, it's one of those highs that's got mm -hmm. a, a symphony of notes all playing together. And, um, and that's what, what, that's what, that's a good example of what craft can be, you know, and, um, and, and, and so, yeah, you can charge a little bit more because there's only so much of it and there's only so many places you can get it. Um, and, and so when you see it, grab it. Mm -hmm. yeah that's the stuff that I talk about when I go into dispensary and they, they take the lid off that jar and the old, the old uh, cafe style jars and you can smell it from across the room. That's the stuff I want. And that's the stuff that the craft people are actually putting out there. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, I know that we used to be able to let before the adult use framework came in California, you could let people smell the weed before they bought it. Um, and we had a really innovative way we did that so that, you know, not everybody's germs got on everybody else, but, um, but it was really advantageous for the customer. And then after that, they wouldn't, the rules wouldn't allow you to do that anymore. So, um, uh, now nobody can smell it before they buy it. And, and the other thing people should look for, man, here's a tip for all you consumers, all you stoners out there is look at the packaging date when was this weed packaged ask the bud tender to show you that and if that package is eight months old or a year old or a year <laughs> and a half old don't buy it <laughs> Damn, does it really last that long that's crazy just left oh, it on the shelf does it have a sell by date on or anything well no. yes but the shelf life can be you know longer if mm -hmm. if, if it's in a jar and it's sealed and so forth um, um, uh, and you know, it's, it gives you a lot more information sometimes than the test result. Everybody wants to look at the test result, but 
um what's the thc man give me the highest thc um or, you know <laughs> or give me or or if you're really smart you're looking at the terpenes and how many oh, terpenes oh. got in it um, um but also look at that packaging date because you know um when you manage inventory you won't always are trying to sell your oldest stuff first um um that's how you manage inventory in a really smart way um and, but as a consumer you want the freshest stuff first uh so you know that's a little tip for everybody out there nice man uh, we have a question here in the chat it's uh, from billy bonds he said should all cannabis packaging be made from hemp do you think that's yeah man of course it should be oh my goodness yes mm. buy your hemp and hemp um uh yes we're starting to see we got like, there's this great, oh, what's the name of that packaging company? Oh man, I wish I could give them a plug <laughs> right now. Uh, uh, I'll think of it in a second, but they are, uh, you can buy hemp plastic joint tubes from them and um, you can buy uh, ocean plastic packaging from them. Uh, and we're seeing a lot more hemp paper packaging coming online and we're seeing a lot more biodegradable even if it's not hemp uh biodegradable packaging coming online what i'm not seeing that i want to see is people aren't celebrating it enough you know they're not letting people know hey this is in hemp this is packaged in a biodegradable way you can feel okay about tossing this in your compost bin um um, um, um so you know, I want to see people who are making the effort and, and it's more expensive um, and are mm. taking on that cost, you know, celebrate that in your branding and marketing a little bit. Uh, the consumers will respond. Yeah, your packaging a of- is a big problem. We, every yeah. time I go on vacation and I walk around, I mean, it, it feels like a fast food joint outside of some dispensaries when you walk out there and look down on the ground because you'll find everything from the container that the bud came in to the cardboard box that the vape cart came in. And I don't understand it, Steve, uh, Andrew, why the heck can't people walk a few feet to a trash can when you get out of the dispensary? It just drives me crazy. Yeah, I used to have to discipline my staff at Harborside for not picking up the trash because, yeah, it happened at Harborside all the time. We had trash cans all over the place. Um, and uh, I, I never understood it either. And I, our rule was you can't walk by a piece of trash. Even if you own the place, you pick it up and you put it in the trash can. Um, right. And, you know, and then, of course, you know, you know, of course, with staff, you have to give them tools and gloves and all this stuff to pick up trash. And I understand it. And so we did. But um, uh, um but we had a hard, we, we often had a hard time enforcing that rule um, and getting folks to really take it seriously. Morale has to be super high. <laughs> um, um, uh, is one thing I learned about a rule like that, that you want to put in your shop and morale, you got to keep morale really high for people to do that. Cause once it starts to get a low, they look at that piece of trash. They ask themselves, do I care enough? Nah. And they let it sit and they let it sit there. And so oftentimes if you're at at a shop and you see a lot of trash around, it might mean that the staff has a morale issue going on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. After you blow it off the first time, it's easy to blow it off the second and third and fourth time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've already made the choice. Yeah, that's true. Monkey. You're so right. Um, That's, that's true. We, we, it becomes a habit, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Unfortunately though. But I really, you know, that's something that as cannabis consumers, I would encourage all of our audience out there. Hey, if, you, if you're using the uh, dispensaries and you're using this packaging material, recycle if you can, but definitely don't throw it on the ground. Pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just going to end up in the ocean if you throw it in the ground. Um, yeah, um, well, we don't want to be those kind of people, you know, we definitely yeah, don't. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, uh, you know, there were we've. We, there were there are companies, and I think there's a few still doing them in California that would recycle the vape pen cartridges. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Um, and we always participated in those programs. They would come in, they give you a bin um, and people would drop their empty carts in there and they take when it was full, they take the bin away and they you know sterilize them and refill them. 
uh, nice. and, and uh, that, that the, those, and like you were saying earlier, Monkey, I mean, our community cares about these sort of things. And, um, uh, and I think part of the reason we care about these things is because that's one of the lessons we teach as you. <laughs> um, <laughs> this yeah. is what I was thinking there, is, and somebody said it in the chat as well. It's unusual for stoners or cannabis users to be so uh, know, flippant with packaging like that. Usually oh, they don't put it in the bin. Well, I mean, I, I that the, our, our, our shops were in urban areas, relatively big cities like Oakland. And so we have a terrible problem with littering in the big cities. Doesn't matter if it's cannabis or whatever. It's just really, really problematic. People, nice. you know, uh, yeah, we need to get that commercial with the, we need to get some more public service. I don't know, man, we got, it's not that hard to be, yeah, it's not that hard to take care of your waste and, 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 and we're going to have to learn how to do that better. Um, uh, cause we're just going to have to, I mean, the day's going to come where you're, there aren't going to be like plastic forks anymore. Mm -hmm. there, there aren't going to be single use, whatever it is anymore. All that's going away. Okay. Yeah, right. People have to understand that's not happening anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. it might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, but you know, when Miami is underwater for three months a year, <laughs> um, you know, things are going to start changing real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's what it takes. I hope we can be smarter than that. Mm -hmm. I think people will change their minds when things start going wrong. Like you say, just uh, yeah <laughs> when, you shouldn't have yeah, to get that far eh? yeah well i mean it, it 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 it's nice if you can start working on it before your house burns down yeah um uh you know like that's the big thing i'm worried about where i live is my house burning down yeah so yeah. I, you know that's 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 the big worry here so like every year i try to do something i try to add more concrete or metal and i want to put a metal roof on you know i try to do little bits every year to make it a little bit more fireproof um mm -hmm. and um and damn yeah because you know, you've been in california that's like an, an actual risk you have them huge fires every year don't you oh yeah now we do yeah absolutely and and even in urban area i'm in the oakland hills and 25 years ago 26 years ago there was terrible fire up here where i, I think it was I don't know, a couple thousand houses burned. Wow. Uh, fucking uh, hell. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, so anyhow, that uh, 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 the, the, the city and the people who live up here learned a lot from that. <laughs> and so one of the things I have to do every year is pass a fire inspection. Um, and they come up here and make sure my vegetation is cleared out and nothing's near the house and nothing near my neighbor and, you know, my gutters are cleaned out and all that stuff. Cool. So um, I think those those kind of things are what we're all faced with in the future. And um, I got my emergency bag ready to go, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, in case you have to get out, evacuate. So I don't know, man. We got the revolution needs to happen because uh, that you know we we need to avoid the. There's still time to to t turn it around. I but it is gonna. Ra we need radical bold behavior changes mm -hmm. longer we wait the bigger the changes are going to have to be though so i'm with you let's start now yeah absolutely we started fucking 50 years ago man things well, are not crazy we've just ignored these problems i've been long. doing everything i can is you know little pieces here little pieces there mm -hmm. mac it's mm -hmm. all we can do. do do the best you can with what you got always mm -hmm. think about what you're doing yeah um um yeah no but you're right um mackie um uh it, it 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 i remember you know being a little kid 45 years ago and you know it was all there's that famous commercial with the native american and mm -hmm. trash he finds trash on the side of the road who's actually italian right he was oh really <laughs> yeah, he wasn't italian there was a scandal there was a scandal with that but um uh uh <laughs> Uh, I guess they needed to find an actor who could cry on cue, but maybe, <laughs> maybe they just didn't look hard enough. That's probably what the case was. Mm. But 
um, in any case, I remember being very moved by that commercial as a little kid. I remember watching that kid and feeling really sad mm-hmm. uh, um, and being moved by that. So, yeah, 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 you know. Um, uh, so this has been with us a long time. Yeah. Later in the UK, you get fined heavily for mittering. But you used oh, to. Man. That's great. I wish we did here. Do you not have something like that? Fines for littering? They do. They rarely, they're rarely enforced, though, Mac, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. This is the problem we're getting to in the UK now because it's getting worse. It, but there's, the police have been cut so much. You know, the police force, they don't get, any, uh, don't get as much funding as they used to. There's not as many bobbies on the beat, is what we call them, you know, police out on the streets. Yeah. That, that's, that doesn't happen anymore. It's, it's just times are changing, man. Things are going crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I think smart policing is really important. We don't have that. Mm. And, um, and, 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 and that means, you know, having enough police and enough places to take care of the really bad, bad things that are happening. And, 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 and then probably a different type of force that takes care of things like writing tickets for trash and, 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 and shit parking. <laughs> oh man yeah that's not enforced very well <laughs> uh, but if your meter is um off then yeah that's enforced pretty mm-hmm. well yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. you get that ticket yeah that's enforced pretty well the savants in the chat said what about dog shit on the sidewalk in the uk it used to be bad when i was a kid and it did used to be bad it was everywhere but you don't see it very much now because people pick up after their dogs but that's not just because of uh being fined though if somebody sees another person not clean up after their dog, they'll be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing, man? Clean up your shit. So that definitely changes things is when the perspective of the society itself pushes things. So maybe people just need to be sterner or maybe they just don't want to say anything to anybody anymore. You know, you're afraid of getting fucking beat up or something. But yeah, pick up your, your litter, man. What's wrong? You're dropping your litter on the floor and then, you know, have a big fight and shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, uh, uh, it, it's it yeah i mean i i i um i think you know just uh, everyone has to be mindful and behave in a good way right now and and um and and those of us who have the opportunity to send that message out needs to, we need to send that message out and mm-hmm. and also you know practice it in our own lives yeah I, mean, I I never litter. It's it, it shocks me that people do because it's just so lazy. It's like, what do you think happens to that litter now? Does it just vanish, or does your problem just become somebody else's problem? It's it's shocking, man. I see sometimes I'm driving down a road and people will just flick litter out of their window in their car, and, and it's like, who whose problem is that now? It's just now disgusting that-, that people don't give a shit, man. Yeah, that's infuriating when you see that. That that just you know makes you feel like somebody's acting like a you know um, an entitled child, something yeah. just an an a hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's shocking. Uh, man. It's like you have some respect for the place you live, you know, and for everybody else, and mm-hmm. for the animals and the plants and everything else that has to inhabit that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it it, it you know. Um, Basic respect is something we all need to do on a crowded, small planet. (laughs) But that's something that got me when I was a kid, as you see these these, uh, adverts where the seagull has got one leg caught in the the beer. You know, when you get cans of beer and they've got the plastic thing over the top? He's got his neck caught in one and his leg caught in the other. You're like, oh, my God, littering is a terrible thing. (laughs) You know, so I don't litter very much, probably because of that advert. It's, It's horrific. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, um, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, there's, <laughs> yeah, literally, the let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going off on some tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I know we only have a few minutes left, so I just wanted to, uh, uh, you know, be positive. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, let the keep people, um, uh, um you know um focused on the good work you guys are doing over the the last prisoner project man because that that is very impressive stuff 
Well, thank you. And, and, and just, you know, just, just uh, all of us have our role to play and, and mm -hmm. just play it as, as best we can, even if it's just convincing your own family um, uh, about all this, all the different things we talked about today. You know, it starts, activism sometimes starts right around the dinner table. Um, and, um, and then it, it moves outward like a layer of an onion um, from there. Uh, so, um so you know um become the change you want this want to see what's that saying do we know what that oh, i can't remember what it, is, what it is but it's something yeah, like yeah that, become you know? the change you want to be or, yeah, or, or yeah. Be, be the change you want to see or yeah, something like that, something like that. Um, okay. um uh, but yeah it really is true and then you know as people play their role more and more their role gets bigger mm -hmm. and and so that's what that's how it works and so i'd like to see everybody go and check out the uh the last personal project.org and maybe write some letters to some of the uh some of the people that are locked up for what we enjoy doing so much here in sure. the free world that will be won't nice cost you see. anything at all and will raise somebody's spirits a little bit so yeah. yeah a few minutes well spent indeed i think so so you can just head yep. over to your website, thelastbridgeofproject.org, and they'll be able to find all the information about that over there. Yes, I think the tab is get active or get involved. It's one of those, and 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 we we, we walk you right through the process. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it, that would be great. I'd love to see. Uh, you know, we can never have enough support uh, from mm -hmm. the community. It it it. it, it you know, our goal, Last Prisoner Project, is to end our work. I mean, uh, our hope is one day we, we can uh, have a press release or a press conference and say, we're done, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, uh, good job. No one's in prison anymore. Time to close the tent and, you know, uh, carry on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One day, um, man. One day, hopefully, you'll get there. Yeah, I mean, that's really our goal. This is really hard work. I don't want to do it <laughs> any longer <laughs> than I have to. Um, uh, so it's very, very difficult work. And, and mm. um, uh, so, so yes, that's our goal. Our goal you, you don't often start a project with the hopes of ending it as soon as possible, but, but this particular project <laughs> um, does. Absolutely. So where can people go out and find out more about you over on your website, andrewdangelo.com? Do you have social media too? Oh, yeah. I'm all over social. It's usually Andrew under slash D'Angelo on Twitter and IG. And uh, I think TikTok's the same. And then andrewdangelo.com is my website. You can learn all about my history, my story, my bio, all the articles I've written and podcasts I've been on and not all of them, but a whole bunch of stuff is there. And, um, you know, you can also drop me an email through my website. Sweet. So th there we go, everybody. You go and you go and say hello to Andrew over on his website. But I, I know you're very busy and you, you obviously got much better things to be doing than sitting here chatting shit with us. <laughs> exactly. So oh, no, I've really enjoyed our conversation. And um, I, this is one of the things I love to do most is have these conversations. So so thank you for hosting me. Oh, thank you for coming in our and pleasure, speaking to man. us, man. Yeah, our pleasure indeed. Maybe we can get you and Steve on together sometime. That would be fun. That'd be lovely. We yeah. love it. Yeah, we'd love to do that. Sweet. So I'll, I'll, I'll organize it. I'll, I'll send some emails out and see what we can do. Okay. All right, man. But in the meantime, you stay safe, man, and stay high, you know, and keep doing the epic work you guys are doing. Yeah, Definitely. you guys stay high too. Thank you, Mackie. Thank you, Monkey. Thank Bye, you, Andrew. Thanks Bye, a lot, Andrew. man. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. there we go everybody that was andrew d'angelo uh you can find out more about andrew d'angelo on his website just or if you just google andrew d'angelo you'll find him on instagram and twitter all the major social networks and you'll find his own website and you can also find him at the lastprisonerproject.org which is his website regarding the last prisoner project where they're doing great work over there and we should really go and encourage them as much as possible and show our support by donating money if we can or writing a letter to a prisoner things like that anything you can do to support a cause like this is massively appreciated not just by them guys but by us as well you know we like to try and help as much as we can with movements like this so we need support from you guys the listeners of the show and the people in the cannabis community to try and help the last person project get more done so 
thanks to the Last Business Project for the work they do. It is massively appreciated by the whole cannabis community, not just the people who are locked up. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. Again, you can find out more about Andrew over on lastpersonalproject.org or you can head over to Google and just type in Andrew D'Angelo and you'll find all of the websites that he's involved with and even some movies that he's been involved with producing as well. So this guy's done a lot, man. And it was a massive pleasure to speak to him. So with that, we'll leave you to it and I hope to catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides. But if not, we'll catch you on the live stream on Sunday over on youtube.com slash highandhomegrown. And as usual, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the show. And it would be epic if you could share it with somebody. That'd be sweet. So see you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.